1: When it comes to the leadership within the church, God has given the leadership their calling. A part of that calling is defending the name and doctrine of God from slander. Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner is up next. Sadly when we hear many pastors who would defend God's honor his his doctrine if you will we tend to bristle oh that's just too harsh we need to be kinder gentler but that's not what God has in store for leadership within the church Hi there welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner As we close the week out we begin a look at a message out of 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 1 through 10 Defending the name and doctrine of God from slander, and that is the call of every man of God who would lead and shepherd God's church. Join us as we explore this truth together here on Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary.
2: As many times as I have read First Timothy, I actually never realized how pertinent it is to where we are in the United States in the 21st century. It is very practical in that, as we have seen over and over, God is teaching Christians throughout the book how to live as Christians in an evil culture, so as to honor God, build up his church, save the lost, and change culture. So Paul is telling Timothy, this is what I want you to aim for. When you build this little church, you are pastoring. I want everything you do to be done to the glory and the honor and the name and the doctrine of Christ. I want you to seek to bring men to the Savior of all men, who is Christ the Lord. I want you to establish and build up a strong church there, and I want you to preach so as to change the culture. Now, you could get killed for doing any one of those things. And if you did all three of those things, it was most likely you would be killed, and especially for the first verse. When was the last time you heard a sermon on the first verse that says, you who are slaves, members of the church, professed Christians, revolt, cause a rebellion. Find a Spartacus somewhere and get all the slaves to unite and overthrow their masters. Does anyone's translation sound anything like that at all? I hope not. He says, all we are, all who are under the yoke as slaves, regard their own masters. And it doesn't say only if they are good masters. Regard their masters as worthy of all honor. Now, the Roman Empire was a slave state. It's estimated that one third of the population were slaves and that they were slaves for all kinds of reasons. And there were no laws forbidding how a master could treat his slaves. He could beat them, could abuse them, molest them, even kill them. Roman slavery was a terrible thing. Now, some slaves were educated. Some slaves were even teachers. In fact, most of the doctors in the Roman Empire were slaves. Some historians think that Luke may have been Paul's slave, who you know was a doctor. But the point is, on the most part, slavery in the Roman Empire was an ugly Terrible, dreadful thing. And Paul is telling Timothy, you preach like this, and you emphasize these things, then eventually, even Roman slavery will change. And here's Paul's attitude. Number one, he was not a revolutionary. That is the one thing you have to understand about people who are reformed. We are reformers. We are not revolutionaries. A revolutionary is someone who uses all of the forces at his disposal to bring down a government he doesn't like. We are reformers. And that takes a little longer to bring things about for godly reasons. We seek to reform, to change, to transform not to violently overthrow and disrupt by civil disobedience or by violent demonstrations or anything of that nature. So we as Christians do want to change a culture. We're not satisfied with the way things are in the 21st century America, but we don't try to change things in a revolutionary manner. I'll never forget reading one time with one of the great Southern preacher said in the 19th century about some of the Unitarian abolitionists in the north. He said, they want to destroy the sun if they find a spot on the sundial. Now, that is revolutionary. That's about taking everything down. Let's destroy every way of life and just start over. And there are people out there in politics right now who are aimed at doing just that. And they'll even confess it to you. But that's not us. We are not revolutionaries. Paul did not tell these slaves, you are in a bad situation. Rome, Roman slavery is unbiblical. Your masters are mistreating you. Revolt. He didn't tell them that. Nor did Paul say... Maintain the status quo. Don't try to change anything. You just stay where you are. The world is getting worse and worse. It's going to hell in a handbasket. But if you try to change anything, you'll be disappointing God. God doesn't want anything changed. He just wants life to be miserable until we all die and and go to heaven. So Paul was not a defender of the status quo either. He was not satisfied to see things the way they were. He wanted those things to be changed, but he knew by preaching to masters and slaves as to how they should relate to each other, and as a church continued to be faithful through their generations, that would bring down the Roman Empire, the American system, and Roman slavery that went with it. That is true today. Beloved, we can't get in a hurry. We can't be impatient. We can't jump the gun. We can't be precipitous. We must carefully and faithfully and patiently preach and teach and live the Word of God until we see that Word of God gradually, over time, change this culture. And trust me, it will change so people are saying, Paul is saying to these people, if you have a slave master, honor him. Now, what part of your body do you use to honor someone else? How many muscles does it take to honor someone? You don't use any part of your body at all. Honor is a state of mind. It is a state of Of the heart. So, Paul is saying to these Christian slaves who have slave masters, whether they are good guys or not, make sure you have the right attitude toward them and obey them. Don't obey them when they tell you to do sinful things, but don't try to revolt against them. God has placed you where you are. Now, seek to change things by your life and leaving out the principles and the truth and the laws of the word of God. Paul not only addresses slaves, as you can see, he addresses slave masters. In fact, he does so in several of his books. In fact, it is amazing how much Paul has to say about slavery in his books. He says in chapter 4, verse 1 of Colossians, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you, have, you also have a master in heaven. Uh, th- this is amazing to me. In Paul's letters, like Colossians, Ephesians, and Timothy, and of course Philemon, he addresses slaves, as well as the slave masters. Now, What does that tell you? It tells you they were both members of the same church. That slave masters and slaves who were Christians saw themselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. They loved each other and they sought to be faithful to each other and to live with one another in terms of the word of God. Now, had they done that, Throughout the centuries, it would have brought down Roman slavery and all other kinds of slavery at that point. Today, in the United States, we have more slavery than we had in the South in 1861. Beloved, there are more slaves today in America than in 1861. In 1861 and before, there were family slaves. They were part of a family. And yes, some of them were treated unjustly. But today, the slaves are civil slaves. And that is the worst kind of slavery ever, where they are slaves of the state. And they are of every color imaginable. Most people don't realize it. But in the United States, we have We are all slaves. Even if we are not on government doles and we do not wear chains, and it is because so many of our citizens have wanted and voted security by slavery, and it's because they cry out, I need this, I need that, I need the federal and state government to care for me and protect me and give me security every day of my life. And that affects all of us, whether you are wearing chains or not. Because, first of all, our tax dollars pay for all of it. And we either live by the law of the regime or we pay the consequences. Does that mean we should overthrow the United States government? No. But it does mean that we are to seek change that that kind of uh, of that kind of slavery. So people no longer see themselves as totally dependent on the civil government. So let's go back now to Tim first Timothy chapter six, Paul is saying, you can't be satisfied with the status quo. He says, Timothy, you want to preach and teach and live in a way that saves sinners and honors God changes the culture. And you want to do it all biblically. And why does he want us to do that? Is it because freedom is the most precious thing that we own? Wrong. We are not idolatrous libertarians who worship the idea of liberty. Liberty at all costs. Don't tell me what I can do with my body. I'm free. Don't tell me I can't get an abortion. I'm free. Don't tell me what sex I can marry. I'm free. I don't want to compromise my freedom with anyone Listen, the most important thing to God about you is not your freedom. Otherwise, he would say, Paul, do all you can to get rid of slavery. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'll start reading with verse 17 and go on for just a few verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner let him walk. And thus I direct in all the churches. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? He was not to become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. Let each man remain in that condition or calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Don't rest until you can break free from that yoke. Is that what it says? Did I catch you sleeping? Did I catch you sleeping? It says, were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able also to become free, rather do that. It is better to not be a slave than it is to be a slave. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men, America. Brethren, let each man remain with God in that condition in which he was called. So Paul is not saying to these people, just be pacifist. Don't try to change anything. But if God puts you in a position where you can change a difficult situation, then change it. If you are a slave now and and there's nothing you can do about it, don't worry about it. If there is a possibility for you to become a free man, do it. Paul is not satisfied with the status quo, obviously. And notice what he says. Don't be a revolutionary and don't be satisfied with the status quo. Look at verse one again. Let all who are under the yoke of slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. So that and now uh, we see what follows is a statement of purpose. So that the name of God and our doctrine may not be spoken against. That is more important than your freedom. That is more important than anything you have. The name and the doctrine of our God. And you must be willing to sacrifice anything for that. Put yourself in any kind of condition. Give up any measure of freedom in order to honor and magnify the name and doctrine of God. That is the most precious thing that we have, beloved. So he says to the slaves, stay where you are. Honor your master's. Don't cause some kind of revolution because what is more important than the way you are living and the condition in which you live is that you honor the name and the doctrine of our God. What does the word name mean in Scripture? Does that take the name of the Lord of God in vain? Is that what it means? Don't take the name of the Lord our God in vain? Does that mean don't cuss? Yes, it does mean don't cuss, but not only don't cuss. It means much, much more than that as well. Because the name of God means whatever God has revealed about himself. The revelation of God's character and God's will is the name of God. Names had more content than, than they do today. A lot of our children today are named after movie stars and And athletes and novelists and such. In the Old Testament and New Testament, a person's name fit his character. And when God changed a man's character, he would often change his name. Saul was changed to Paul. Simon, from now on, your name is Peter, because a name caught the gist of a man's character. So the name of God is the revelation of God. The doctrines of God are those revealed truths in scripture by which God tells us who he is and what he is like and what his will is for us. For most Christians today or for many in this country, conservative and liberal doctrine seems to be a bad word. I don't want to go to church where I have to hear doctrine. Well, biblical doctrine means revealed truth. A biblical doctrine is a revealed truth, and there is no other way to know Jesus but by revealed truth. You say, I don't want to hear about doctrine. I want to hear about Jesus. Then what you are saying is, you don't want to hear what God says he uses to feed you and I his sheep. You want something that entertains goats, that is highly emotional, It is light-hearted, where you don't have to think or reflect or meditate. If you don't like biblical doctrine, then what you are really saying is, you don't like Jesus. Beloved, it is as simple as that. Because biblical doctrine is revealed truth in the pages of Scripture, by which God reveals himself and his will for your life. The only way you can know anything about God and Christ is by biblical doctrine. Preaching that is not doctrinal, is not satisfying, and it's certainly not nutritional for you. Now, doctrine does not mean the same thing as being academic, I'm not saying a sermon has to be academic or intellectual or anything like that, because you certainly wouldn't get that from me. I am saying, however, that it must be full of doctrine. What the Bible teaches are the truths about God and Jesus and how we are to live by God, our triune God, in this world. That is the most precious thing you have. So you pray. Lord, if you want me to be a Roman slave to a mean Roman master in order to honor your name and your doctrine, I will do it. I'll try to get free if possible, but not at the cost of dishonoring your name and your word. Verse 2 says, if your master is a believer, you have even a greater responsibility professing Christian slave. It says, let those who have believers as their masters not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but serve them all the more. So so slave members of the church, if you have a slave master in the church who is a Christian, don't look down your nose at him saying, oh, you big Christian. If you were really a Christian, you would set me free. Maybe not. The fact that he is a Christian, Mr. Slave, means that he is your brother and you should obey all the more sincerely. And Mr. Slave Master, if you have a slave that is a Christian, he is your brother and you must love him as a brother. Then these last words of the second verse, teach and preach these principles that i believe is the third time he said that so far in 1st timothy teach and preach these principles what i thought we weren't supposed to teach and preach from the pulpit about political and economic and social issues i thought we were only supposed to preach about spiritual things from the pulpit And here Paul is telling Timothy, teach and preach these things about economics and social status and about politics, about slaves and about slave masters, in other words, social status. Do you know what preachers are supposed to preach about? Everything that the Bible speaks about, and the Bible is divinely authoritative in everything about which it speaks, and it speaks about everything. And that is what a preacher is supposed to preach about. Politics, economics, social issues, education, racial issues, slavery. Teach and preach these things. Timothy, don't hold back. Don't think that you are fulfilling your calling simply by telling people how to be saved and go to heaven when they die. You are not fulfilling your calling until you have taught and preached. And the word preach there means urged. Urged. Until you have taught and urged the people listening to you to obey the laws of God as it governs social status, relationships, culture, economic, politics, every area of life.
1: You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California,